Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woohoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! <laughs> hey guys, what's up? And hey guys, what's up? My name is Coco, and welcome to the Donaldson Files. I will be hosting tonight's Ladies' Night. Um, and so I'm going to start with my first guest, um, Lauren Bize. I want to introduce everybody to her. Lauren, are you there? I am here. Hello, everybody. Hi. It is ladies' night. Hello. I am. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to have you along. Um, so yeah, th- this whole weekend, this whole week has been honestly very interesting. I have not listened to any news. This is like a first in like I don't know how long. But I have literally not been watching any news for the past week. So, oh, my goodness. Um, I know. I know. I, I, I've just been working, and I've been basically kind of uh, doing, I guess, me. <laughs> you know, I, I've been trying to keep uh, as much stress out of my life as possible. So I guess that includes not really paying attention to the news. Obviously, I do not watch the Republican National Convention because no, I don't want to torture myself. I, I don't. Yes, I, I don't want to torture myself in doing Good. so. So I have basically just been at home. Um, I got some actually some really fun gadgets that I ordered that came in the mail. So I've literally just been playing with them all day. Um, one of them is the Roomba. Um, Lauren, have you heard of this? Have yes, you heard I of this have. Roomba? Yes, I saw it. I saw it on Twitter. I saw yours. Oh. I get so excited. Um, I got to tell you real quick, and it's the most awesome purchase I've ever made as an adult. Um, right now with COVID, like, I'm not having a housekeeper over for obvious reasons <laughs> during COVID. So I was kind of going crazy. Like, I, I'm so sick and tired of vacuuming every day. Um, I have mm. hardwood floors. And those hardwood mm. floors are so dark that you don't know what's dirty or not. So mm-hmm. I made the investment. I spent a lot of money on this Roomba, and it was like, it, it's awesome. It, it picked up so much stuff that I didn't even know I had in my house. So um, that alone, kind of crazy. It's it's very crazy. It's it'll, you, I said it, um, like, my, my apartment's only, like, 1,500 square feet, so it's not huge. But um, I set it, I put it on, I set it down, and it did its job. And I, when I, it, it notified me that the bin was full. And I'm like, are you serious? How can it be this full already? I opened mm-hmm. it up, and I swear to God, Lauren, it, I, I, I have enough hair to, like, make a fur coat. 
It was wow. It was disgusting. I was so pissed. I was pissed at myself for basically having so much dog hair and dust. Like it's disgusting what it picks up. And I've been doing it every day. What about Reagan? Your dog, your beautiful dog. Did he freak out? No, uh, he sees it and he just kind of ignores it. He just he's just like whatever. Um, he's not scared by it, but it's pretty cool because it's like voice activated and I have it on a schedule. So like when it's on a schedule, it'll it'll, it'll actually vacuum for an hour and thirty minutes straight. So I love that. <laughs> well, that's like so, I love that purchase. That's a great purchase. It is. I, I find it to be an amazing purchase, especially during COVID. Cause like, I, want I was just going to say, that's a pandemic purchase. <laughs> it's a pandemic purchase. Can I write that as a tax write-off? Like, pandemic well, I think purchase? you should. Is that a, that's is definitely that a, a thing? That's a hashtag if I didn't hear one. <laughs> I think I think so. Pandemic purchase hashtag. I think I'm going to start that on Twitter. No, it's kind of Go crazy because I didn't realize like how dirty my place was. Honestly, I thought it was like, I thought it was clean. And I was wrong because, I, like, this carpet that we had when we bought it was gray, and now it's white. I'm like, how? So, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been up to this last uh, couple days. I've just been um, just really working, and uh, I don't know, man. I feel like COVID has made me so freaking lazy sometimes. Like, I don't want to do anything, and it's not like I can go out, and I can't really, you know um, – I, I'm just, like, not doing anything besides working. And it's not like I can go out, you know, where am I going to go? There's no place I can go. So um, I thought that actually this weekend I'm taking a trip to the beach. I'm not actually going into the beach, but um, I'm going to drive to the beach, so that's a little exciting. <laughs> that is right, literally the idea. most exciting thing. Is it sad that that's the most exciting thing that's happened to me in seven months? That is just sad that I'm going to go, I'm going to drive by the beach, you know, that is like my most, you know, purchase that I'm doing. So I don't know about you. What are, what have you been up to? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, like you, I, I work at, I work at home like you. Okay. So right. I'm, I'm kind of like, that was like, it's not so bad because I have a job and I didn't have to worry about that stress of like, Oh my gosh, right. I have to go to the office or anything like that. So that's kind of yeah. easy for us. That's good. Um, so I'm always home, and the only time I go out is to get, like, groceries or something like that, which kind of is, like, only twice a week. I could do it in one really? day yeah. if I had to, but I make myself do it twice a week because, you know, not having a car, being in a city in Dublin, I love the idea of walking, and that's cool. I love it, you know. But so I, as I had written to you earlier today, I'm, I'm, I, how can I explain this? This whole pandemic, this whole idea of lockdown and everything else happened, of course, earlier for me being in Europe, okay, being in Dublin, Same. Ireland, um, started for me actually early, a month earlier than it happened in Dublin. So Dublin started locking right. down, I'd say the end of February. Okay, by March, right. we were really on lockdown. But for me, it started in January because as a um, language arts instructor online, my students are South Korean. So they were already living lockdown by January right. the 4th. So 
I was already in my mind like, oh, this is coming. This is coming. I know it. Right. You know? So as I had shared with you, you know, my mom was an epidemiologist. So I knew, oh, this is going to happen. I knew it. You know, they talked about this for right. years coming, decades. So I, I was ordering. I had face masks in my flat. You know, I had gloves. I was reading articles from my South Korean families that were, you know, sending me things in the email like, maybe you want to get, like, visors, wear eyeglasses if you have them. I was already doing this in January. So I was acclimated. Right. Okay, so you've been doing it before. You've been doing it way before me because I started in February. I thought I was, like, the earliest person to do this. No. Um, No. No, you were proactive. Well, I was because I live with a germaphobe, Lauren. I live with a germaphobe. I can't do anything. Like, I know. I'm being serious. You, you guys think I'm crazy. I'm not. When no, we first started no. this, before, before we even knew what COVID was, my boyfriend, literally, if I went outside, I would have to come back into the house, take the clothes off, put it in the washer, and take a shower every single time I would come back in. Okay? And I, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, what am I with? Um. But real quick, we're going to take a real quick break, Um, you know, and I think I wanted to discuss when we come back, um, you know, about how does, um, you know, what what can we do during a pandemic? You know, um, what are some, like, real good kind of, tools i guess but okay we're gonna take a real quick break and when we come back we'll discuss what are we going to do that's going to keep us sane during a pandemic we'll be right back If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Okay, we're back, and, um, you know, I know it's ladies' night, and we're supposed to talk about sex or whatever, but um, I'm going to do something a little different. I kind of want to talk about what to keep, how to keep ourselves kind of sane during a pandemic. Um, I actually found this really funny, uh, not funny, haha, but it was really interesting, and you're going to laugh in a second, Lauren, I guarantee it. Um, <laughs> things to do to keep yourself sane in the pandemic, and and the number number one thing was deep clean your home. Oh, yeah. I'm so done with, you know, cleaning I really am like every every Saturday I deep clean my tub like that's like what I do now apparently Mm -hmm. and and then like Roomba just kind of basically takes care of like the rest so I still have to do certain things around the house um but I just find it's like how do you keep yourself sane when there's no place to go 
you know, I mean, that that's always something that I've always, you know, asked myself when this whole pandemic started. You know, at first I thought it was going to last like three or four months. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, my God, it's been like eight months already. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally, literally going insane sometimes. That's how I feel. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I just want to, I don't know, go away on vacation and I can't go on a vacation because there's nowhere to go. So it's a really um, valid I, question. <laughs> like it's a very, it's extremely valid question. And you're right. Even though this is ladies night, this is applying to everybody, not just like adults, right. but children and teenagers. And, but I think that if like we could apply like good mental health um, to what people do in any situation, and I think when it comes down to what we're all dealing with right now, it, in, in general right. chaos, which is what it is, um, it, it has to be about organizing your own sense of routine when you are in chaos. And so you have to determine what would be your routine viewed through chaos. That's what it has to come down to. So That's you hard. To, well, That's not hard. That's hard for well, me because I'm ADHD, so I live in chaos. Like, chaos is oh. my life. I thrive on chaos. Okay, well, let's talk, all right, all right. So let's talk about you, for instance, okay? Let's talk about you, all for right. instance. All right. So I know a little bit about you, okay? Yeah. And I know, for instance, because you, like me, okay, yeah. we are people that we like, we get up in the morning, okay? And even though right. we don't go out, okay, we are the girls that we put our makeup on, don't we? And oh we take my pride God! You know me too. You know me too damn well. I'm sorry I know. you do. And that I is a hundred percent me. Right. That and is a hundred percent me. And we do a good job too. We look. We're like. We're yeah. Like camera ready. <laughs> we're, we're like. We're like pros. Like this is so sad. I mean, you made a point about this. Like, um. I like to look good, especially, like, in the morning or whatever. I mean, yes. it's funny because, like, my, my boyfriend is actually gone 10 hours of the day because he's helping his daughter with online school. So okay. I'm usually at the house by myself. And so but for the past, like, six months, we were together 24-7, and all of a sudden there was, like, this shift where he's gone, like, eight, ten hours. And now I'm like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, I start talking to myself. It's the saddest thing, you know. That's and, the point. and, yeah. Yeah. You're not but that's totally. the point. You're not you are not dressing for anybody. You are you. Yeah, it's just a, it's a routine because it's 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 like a, it's a big routine. That's pretty right. much and what it is for me. Exactly. All right. Now let's let's really let's really get like deeply psychological for a second, okay? Oh, I love it. And I'm oh, I know you do. So I I got about 10 years ago, I um I moved out on my own, away from my family, everybody. Okay? Right. And I was all alone. And I went from a household of five brothers and sisters, parents, five dogs. I had a huge home. I had, was living on acres of property. There's people right. around me all the time. And then suddenly it was right. silence. And I really right. thought it was right. crazy. But it was my choice, okay? I did this to get away from the crazies. So the thing is, I didn't know what I, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I really was concerned for my mental health, especially since I had so much on the line. I was in a, right. a, a university that was costing me $100,000 a year. 
I had a lot that I could lose if I was to lose my mind. And I had a choice to make. Who was going to pick me up if I fell? And there was no one. And this is a situation that millions of people are in right now. They knew, everybody knows, what happens if I break? What's going to happen to my family, my husband, my wife, my children? Or if they're alone, what happens if I crack up? This is a real thing, right? Right, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought of this all the time, all the time. And I had no one to talk to. And I would get to the point where I think, oh, my God, am I going crazy thinking like I'm going crazy, right? Even that Yeah, is, I mean, oh, yeah, right. absolutely. I, I totally agree with that because, you know, I mean, it's just going to sound so weird, but on Sundays I have my uh, boyfriend's daughter comes to visit us and she'll stay with us for like eight hours. And I'm like, I look forward to that so much because it's like another person I can actually talk to. Right. I'm like, okay. yeah, you should come over more. Okay, so you understand. I finally got, you know what I, I did to, to help myself? And it was, the, it was the oddest thing that I did, but this is what I did. I started to talk to myself out loud. Oh, I do that all the time. And, like, it's so funny. Like, I've been doing that forever, though. So. Okay, but I made a conscious effort to do it. Like, I would yeah. say, wow, I would say, good morning. And I go to the window because I lived on the beach, and I said, "Wow, what a beautiful day out there!" But I knew I was right. Doing it. No, but absolutely. You you have to do. You know, everything in life. The real. Let's go back to literature, even. Okay, like you know, all the world. It really is a stage. Okay, and we are the players. So when you think about it, you really have to write your own story. And you have to be aware that you're doing it. So you get up in the morning, and you don't sit in the same clothes. And you don't say it doesn't matter to make your bed. And you don't say you're going to leave the dishes in the sink. Because you know what? Oh, God, no. This is your film set. This is your house. These are your items. You paid for this. You know? Right. This is your beautiful thing. I agree. So what you're doing is you're not going crazy. You could go out anytime no. you want to go out. No one's holding you back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I like yesterday I, I had to do a few errands and actually felt good to get out of the house. And I was like, yes, that felt so good. But then um, I got like really freaked out because the guy delivering my mail wasn't wearing a mask. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to stay in the store from now on. But, but no, no, no. I, I totally, I, I get what you mean, though. I totally understand what you mean. Yeah, you definitely could. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I've noticed a lot of people are going on kind of, like, mini road trips for, like, mm-hmm. a day or so, you know, right. just to kind of, and I actually, um, I'm going to be doing that, uh, like, October-ish. I'm going to go to Big Bear. Um, oh, that's wonderful. First, the, re- the reason I picked that place, guys, I got to tell you, the reason I picked that place was because it's pretty much isolated where we're going to be at. <laughs> like okay. Nobody around. Um, okay. And it's just a, it's, a, it's just a change of scenery. And I, I'm the type okay. of person that before COVID, like I would travel a lot. I would travel like four or five times I a know. year. I know. You know. So now I'm like, uh, I can't really do that. I can't get on a plane. Not that I can't get on a plane. I don't want to get on a plane. <laughs> um, right. So I, I tend to do kind of like you know outlets and stuff like that. Um, 
I actually find during COVID, I find during right. COVID, I'm cooking a lot more. I saw that. I, I, saw, I saw your, I saw your pictures. Boy, can you cook? Yeah, you're amazing. Yeah, I. Oh my God, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I never really cooked before because we, we would always used to go to eat out four mm-hmm. or five times a week. So like, I never cooked. And then I started, we started buying like all this kitchenware stuff and I kind of just got into the cooking mode. And um, that's when I, I, I really like, I don't know, the other day I made, what did I make? Oh, yesterday I made like steak with like couscous and like grilled zucchini. And I was like, whoa, I've never done that before. <laughs> you know, so I, I find cooking is a huge stress reliever. Even if, like, I'm not eating it, like, I just, I just literally, before the show started, I just baked, like, a bunch of muffins. And mm. I don't even like muffins. I hate mm-hmm. muffins. I don't, I don't eat cornbread. So I just, I just baked that <laughs> just for baking sake. And that's what I, that's what I've been doing now is just been cooking, baking, working out. Um, and that's the thing. It's, like, it's so hard to work out during a pandemic, I feel like, if you don't have a gym. Uh, I'm lucky I have a I, I have a treadmill, so I use that as kind of my outlet. But, but I, at the same it's time, hard. But, but at the same time, you don't need any of those things. That's the other thing. See, I think what if I, I think what people are forgetting is that this we are given a really rare, unique opportunity to do something that people haven't been able to do in centuries. We are given an opportunity, an opportunity to be completely innovative. It's like we have someone else on the line. Okay. Um, so let me go to them. Hello. Hello. All right. Call drop. That's fine. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the things that um, I tend to enjoy, or not enjoy, but um, notice is um online schooling right now mm-hmm. um you, i know i know you don't have kids i mean i don't have kids but i my boyfriend has she has a really cool uh she's a really cool daughter and she's in a she just started her um um she just started ninth grade and mm-hmm. i'm actually terrified of all the work that she has to do like it actually brings me back fear of like high school and how much i hated it mm-hmm. and <laughs> I mean, the first day of school, she gets swamped with, like, five assignments. And I'm like, ha, so happy I'm an adult. But, no, um, I feel it's really hard for some kids. Like, especially mine, she's, like, she has ADHD. I had ADHD. I know how Mm -hmm. horrible it is to Mm -hmm. be focused. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of the schooling online, like, they give so much to the kids where it's, like, eight hours of homework. And, and then what? You know, it's it, it, yeah. to me, it's hard. I think it's actually harder doing online than it is like when you're in a classroom. Well, you know, that that's a whole nother conversation, like be, mm-hmm. as far as online teaching, because that's not something that anybody, they, you know, as far as universities, we've been doing online, right. you know, schooling for a long time. But it's interesting how the educational system has not really been, you know, changed in a very, right. very long time, not just in the United yeah. States, but in Europe. And now suddenly they are having to like figure it out as they go along. And I know like Korea went online, then 
their cases went down. They brought all their kids back into the classroom. And as of two weeks ago, they had such an increase in cases, they put all their kids back home again. So, oh, yeah. I mean, they, I'm not for sending my kids to school. I'm not for that. What I'm talking about is no, basically no, no. like. No, I agree with you. No, what I'm saying is, so I gotten a really good, I ask my kids all the time, how are you doing in school? And they show me, because they love to show their, because they're learning about Zoom and everything. They show me break rooms. Yeah. They show me live classes. They show me the videotaped classes. They show me their assignments. I know exactly what these teachers are assigning and how much workload. Some kids have four and a half hours a day of classes. Some have seven. Some have one day only a week. So it's interesting how nobody's figured out what is the proper way to teach children under the age of 17 years of age yet because nothing's been proven yet. Right. I mean, I agree. And it, it's kind of crazy because um, a lot of these students, um, you know, real quick, um, we're going to go to break right now. And when I come back, I will tell you my experience of some online school learning. This is Dr. Larry Pitoa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Okay, welcome back. And so I was talking to my guest, Lauren, um, about online schooling and, you know, how how it can be difficult for some people. Um, I actually just enrolled um at ucla um that's also why i'm like never online and it's it's hard so i i can imagine how it must be for a teenager who like and i feel so bad for these kids like the kids who just entered high school like they didn't have an eighth grade graduation they don't really get to see their friends um especially especially where i'm at you know in california so Mm -hmm. it's it's really, it's really hard. And then they're, they're doing all the schoolwork and a lot of these teachers, like um, I'm speaking from experience. So um, all, this is all I know, but some of these like teachers, like don't know the technology and I'm talking about older teachers. Uh, my, my kid has a little, she has, she has, she has a couple of teachers who are, who are very much older and the kids are actually helping them how to figure out how to zoom, which I found really funny. Um <laughs> They're like, how do I do this? And like, one of the kids like, well, you just press this button. They're like, okay, thank you. Um, they're doing oh, PE. Bad. They're they're doing like PE um, during Zoom, which I find like hilarious because my boyfriend will tell me, my God, they have me do these like they're having them do these like starter exercises, and he can't even do them. I'm like, well, yeah, you're like 51. They're 14, um, but. It, it's 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 just it's just a total new learning experience, you know. Yeah. Um, there's no such thing as biology anymore. I found out, I guess, more of like an earth science. 
Mm-hmm. So they're actually not doing biology. They're doing earth science. So it's kind of like a combination of it. Like I, I'm mind blown. I haven't been in high school in like 14 years. So a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that, but apparently it is true. So I, I just, I, I find it, I feel bad for those who do have like a learning disorder or like, you know, ADHD or, or whatever they have. Cause it's hard. It's really hard. And a lot of these times these kids don't get extra time like they would if they were in a classroom. So right. I've always looked I, for other people's advice on like how do you know how how do you keep an AD, a, 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 how do you keep a teenager with ADHD focused when they're on like in doing online schooling for like seven hours and then on top of that they have like eight hours of homework like how do you like physically keep them on top of things? I agree with you a hundred percent, absolutely, it, and it's a problem. Um, I'm noticing two very important things. The one thing is the social aspect of this. The younger mm-hmm. students, the ones I would say like under 14, so that's around your 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 boyfriend's daughter, right? You said she was 14 yes. or 15? She's 14? Uh, 14. Okay, so she's at that tender age right now where it's important for her to be around other students because it's not just about the teacher, as you know, teaching you something. She has to be around people so she hears other opinions because that's how she starts right. to understand her reasoning skills, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I it, always thought that I, was more important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, socialize. That's like, try, I, I mean, even though, like, obviously I'm way older than her, I try to kind of um, – act like her friend and it works like a lot of the times because she she'll tell me things like she wouldn't tell her parents you know that's that's how teenagers are and you know I think she sees me as someone like that's like younger so she's just like I mean I'm pretty I, I guess I think I'm considered old to her because the other day it was it was actually quite funny I feel parents will relate to this um she's really into Panic at the Disco the the band mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I had told her oh I love that I love that there, I love the band when I was in high school, and she, like, literally turned to me. She's like, they're not that old, are they? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, thanks. That's, that's nice. So, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just funny how, like, when you inter- interact with a teenager because you think, like, you're cool or you think, you think, like, you can relate to them. You can relate to them. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I think you're, I cannot. I, I think the thing that you're going to have, you could, you said it's sort of like, how could you help them, you know, or how can we help them? Yeah. I think the thing that you could help her the most, especially someone with some type of a, of a learning challenge, you know, because right. I have one student that has ADHD and the parents didn't tell the, um, oh. my company. They didn't tell my company. And I noticed it after a couple of months because he was constantly like jumping in his chair. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yes. And I finally said, you know something? I said, would you mind picking up your baseball? And you could. I don't mind if you if you play with it while you're while we have a lesson. And as soon as yeah. he did that, he settled down. And then I realized that's what it was. So, but I. Re- this is what you can do. This is something that you could really help her with. And this is for all parents listening right now. When your children are are having these online learning sessions they're they're basically being taught at lessons okay 
So that's all they get. If they have a question, they're allowed to send a little hand up in the air, and the teacher will ask them, right. yes, you have a question, and then they're yeah. unmuted. And then they're unmuted. That's how it works. Or if the teacher gives them a group project, half the class will be put into little sections, and they get to go into a Zoom break chat or a break room, they call it. That's for like an hour. Right. And then they can talk to each other, right. and they're unmuted for a while. Other than that, there is no social interaction in the teaching learning environment. So what parents can right. do, friends, siblings, when you are with that person, that, that, that kid, question. And I mean not like don't ask them questions about school. No, no, no. Say things, what do you think about that? And the first thing a teenager is going to say to you is, I don't know. And then this is what I do. <laughs> I do what I do. You know what I do? What? The what first you? time you're going to say this to her, she's, she's going to look at you like you're nuts, and then this is what you're going to say. When they say, I don't know, you say, oh, yes, you do. That's all. Yeah, it, like I, 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 I could see that, yeah. You just go, I mean, oh, yes, it, you it, do. Yeah. And yeah. then they're going to go, I, I definitely can see that. And you're going to say, they're going to go, what? Like, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. You go, oh, you know what you want to say. Maybe you don't want to say it because you think it's stupid. Or it's embarrassing, right. or or I'm not going to believe you, or whatever. But you know what? You know what you want to say. It's okay. I got time. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. No. And I I, I love that actually um, because you know I feel like with teenagers it's like I mean I, I'm really happy because she's a really smart kid and she's like 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 she wants to work in NASA when she uh, when she grads when she graduates from college. So I'm like, whoa, oh. that's that's really intense. <laughs> Like I'm not prepared for that, but um, no, she she's more of she's very sociable and she's very polite and it's it's like it's I'm I'm a, I'm a very lenient person. I think I'm the most lenient. Um, if there was a parent, I'd be the most like chill parent ever. <laughs> I just be like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. Like, so I have a hard time saying no, and that's like a big problem with me because you know I'm not her I'm not her mom, I'm not her dad, so um, it, it's kind of hard all of a sudden you're put in this position of really not parenting, but I guess kind of looking after and um, trying to explain life to them. And it's just like, cause you know, it's funny because, you know, her dad's a little overprotective, which is fine. Um, she wanted to watch him. She wanted to watch this movie. And I was like, yeah, sure. You can watch it. And her dad's like, no, she can't watch that. And I'm like, really? Because in my experience growing up, like, I, I was watching, like, R-rated movies when I was, like, eight. <laughs> so yes, me, I know. I'm me like, too. I'm the worst. I'm, like, the worst person to see if it's the when, when her dad asked me, do you think this is going to be okay? I'm like, dude, I was going out to nightclubs at 14. Like, you should not ask me my parental, like, you know, insights. Because I have a horrible example. Um, so I, I've always, I've always thought that was like kind of funny, but like she ended up watching the movie and it was fine. You know, I, I think it was a big deal. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's like, it's like when they ask you for advice and you're just like, I don't know. You have common sense and that's all you need. Right. No, I mean, definitely I do. I, I definitely think that. And I, and, and again, like, you know, with the online schooling, I was like just in so much shock how much work they got the first day. Cause I actually don't remember getting that much work during high school. 
you know, and I, I'm like, he had like five assignments and like well, the first day of school. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm, I'm actually really happy. She's never asked for my help because I would not, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Like I, 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 I feel like teaching now is like so different than when I was, when I had it. Coco, I am concerned about one thing about all this online schooling that I don't think anybody's uh-huh. addressing. And maybe you can mention it to your boyfriend too. Um, they're not getting, yeah. they're not teaching them about not staying on the computer for so long. Like they're not telling them right. to take the breaks that they need. So if you could address right. that with her. Oh yeah, I mean, also that's you know that's such a really good point. You know, I, my work, you know, I do social media, so a lot of, like my my uh, my vision is always like I'm always like I sometimes get headaches and I'm like okay I gotta put this down and my boyfriend mm-hmm. has it even worse because he, he's an he's an editor so he has to look at film for 14 hours a day. Right. So um, and a lot of times like so I can imagine with with kids in schooling and then they're on their like tablets or whatever and they're playing mm-hmm. video games it's like when do their eyes rest? When do you get right. to rest? No. So I, I've always I've always wondered about that as well. Um, maybe I, I have I actually have a pair of glasses prescription, and they have the blue light, so it doesn't really okay. mess up my eyes too much. Okay. So um, yeah, but I mean, not every kid's gonna have that. So no. I, I've always I've always wondered, like, you know, do they get breaks? Like, I guess they get from what from what I've heard from online schooling, they'll get like. I don't know, like a 30-minute break or something like that for, for lunch or something. Well, that's good. I, I mean, in Korea, they only give them – in Korea, they only get um, 15 minutes in between every hour oh, and a no. half class. That's it. No. No, yeah, no, that's not um, – I know schooling in California is a bit different. and um, But I, it's also really good that I think that they, obviously they're still keeping up with PE, you know, yeah. Um they're they're still doing that. They actually require the students uh, to work out 45 minutes a day, three days a week. Yes. Um. So I I don't think it's enough, but it's a good start, mm-hmm. I guess. Um. So that's also like the activities. Like I mean I don't know. I I just I can't imagine being a teenager during pandemic. I I can't. Mm-hmm. So um. And I'm sure it's hard on the parents who like are working from home, and then you have your kid going to from home so it's like when do the parents get a break <laughs> so I, I've always just kind of been really happy that I don't have to do that here because mm-hmm. I don't know how I would cope but I, I was reading this article um, real quick and it was you know like if you this is like we're basically talking about like you know if you know you have a kid and especially a teenager um, during coronavirus, like what can you do to support your teenager um, and young adults also during the coronavirus, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things is like understanding, you know, how their frustration over not seeing their friends. Mm -hmm. Like I know that's a big one for mine because like her friends live like about 45 minutes away from her. So, and then one of them, her mother was a, was a nurse, and so her the, the, her daughter has to definitely be quarantined. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know. And also, like, you know, encourage healthy eating habits. Like, I know I sound like such a mom right now, but, you know, you shouldn't be loading them up with, like, complete junk food. 
because that's how they crash. That, that's really how they crash, especially, you know, during school and everything like that. And, you know, I, I always think, like, about the kids' mental, mental health. And, you know, how does a teen really cope with that when she's not even allowed to really see her friends? Absolutely. So I've always been stickler for making sure that your kid is, you know, mentally healthy and mm-hmm. kind of kind of things, you know, you can do with them, you know, while social distancing. Um, and I, I actually have a list right here. Um, actually, this is a really, this is actually a really cool list. Um, I was just reading through it. Um, you know, if, if you're a tech tech geek like we are, uh, I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. the biggest tech nerd. Me too. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? Before we go into that, we're gonna take a real quick break, and I'm gonna tell you things that you can do with your teenager that totally won't be lame. We'll be right back. Tune in to You in the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Hey, guys, and welcome back to Donaldson Files. Today we're doing a bit of a different thing. We're involving teens and parents all alike on how to basically kind of keep sane during COVID. Um, and this is a list I found out of all places, apartmentguide.com. Weird, right? Um, but they actually had some really cool ideas, you know, especially if you're home with your kids basically 24 um, 7. One of the things I'm going to start out with, which I thought was really cool, I'm a big tech geek, as I said earlier before. I have every single video game console. I am like, I'm just a techie. Like, I love tech gadgets. So one of the cool things that um, they recommended on this, on this, um, my God, I cannot speak, on the site was to host a video game tournament. And I am like so for this. It's not even a joke. Um, so if you have a console or you have like, or even just like downloading an app for your kids, you know, they have like Mario Kart on the app, you know, you can play, you know, different games. Um, one of my favorite games is NBA 20K, 2K20. And of course, Minecraft. I, I will admit that I do play Minecraft mm-hmm. as much as I hate to As much as I, I hate to it. Oh my God, what's wrong with us? What is wrong with us? My students Seriously. laugh at me. I, I, I know. I, I, I laugh at my because I thought I was going to be all cool. Well, I thought I was going to be all cool and be like, oh, look, look, like uh, your dad's girlfriend plays Minecraft and she's like, I'm not playing Minecraft. No, no, she's like, I don't play Minecraft. And I was like, well, that was a waste of three days. Um, (laughs) But no, like, so definitely hosting a video game tournament. And if you don't have video games, like, you know, host a board game tournament. I, I know I'm, again, I'm a sucker for board games. I play them. All the time, I usually we usually play them literally after dinner, and it, it's just like stupid board games, like you know, sorry or 
I'm a stickler for uh, trivia games. I love trivia games. So if you guys, like, you know, kind of have, like, a trivia pursuit or a game of life or, or some, like, classic game and, you know, you keep score, kind of make it competitive, um, I think that's uh, something that will keep them from going completely insane and something you guys can do together. You know what's a really um, fun thing to do if you have kids that are, like, on, like, eight, eight, nine, ten, and 11 is in the evening to organize a really good treasure hunt where the kids have to come up with the map and questions, and you have to figure out what the questions are, and then once you figure out the question with the answer, the answer leads you to go for the first piece of the puzzle of the treasure. And, and the parent has to hide it, each piece around the house. Oh, I love that. Like, it is I, so much I love fun. that. I used to do this. Like, that's a, like a really – plus, it's like something that they could learn, but it's so much fun. Like, I'm serious. Like, fun, fun game to do. I actually think that's a lot of fun. I love scavenger hunts. Um, yes. Like, I, I think they're so much – they're so much fun. I mean, you can um, buy presents. Like, you can – it's just – and it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I, I actually really like that. Um, I love, I've always loved scavenger hunts. I just don't know where I'm going to do that in my apartment. Well, no, I, I, I'm not picturing your house pictures I've seen. I, really I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like we are, our place is very open space. So it's like, you know, where am I going to hide anything? Unless I like know. I hide it in a drawer. I mean, I, well, I don't could. know. Be, I don't know. It would be things like that, you know, really, like in closets and, you know. It's yeah, fun, I though. mean, I mean, I think I think that's cool. There's also this really cool thing. I don't know about your kids, but um, I know mine's like obsessed with dogs, and so you guys can go to like if you guys are like really interested. Like I don't know. I know this might seem a little lame, whatever, but there's like a puppy streaming 24-7 live cam, so you can see puppies play for 24 hours if that's what you're into. I love dogs. So, I know. Oh, I know. I Speaking of mine, 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 uh, it's so funny. I, I feel like when you're dating someone with kids and you have a dog, you're like, I don't know about you, but I was scared to death that my dog would maul her, and that would be the end of a relationship. And now I feel, and now I feel kind of like threatened because like now he's become like her best friend, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute, what about me? I'm your owner. I've had you for eight years. Like he'll, when she comes over, he gets all excited and like they'll go, they'll like she'll take him to her room and he'll just like hang out there for like six hours. And I'm like, okay, that's beautiful. That happened. That's that's something I was not expecting at all because he usually that. hates people. He hates people and he hates children. So. um I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I really, I really don't. That's nice. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But, um, you know, I, I, I always think like with board games, like I'm a, like I said, I'm obsessed with board games, like under my TV, we have this huge drawer and it's filled with nothing but like different types of board games, like card games and, uh, everything else. Um, I was going to teach her how to play poker, but then again, I don't know if that's appropriate or not appropriate for a 14 year old. Oh, I was playing but, uh, that when I was eight years old. I was playing. Uh, same with me. Same with me. I was That's playing what I Jack when I was eight years old. My dad taught me. Are you kidding me? Yeah, my dad taught me too. So yeah. I mean, I that's why I'm I'm kind of like, well, 
what am I going to do? Game. Um, you have to learn how to count. <laughs> well, that's perfect math. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's math. You can't tell me that's not math. I mean, if, if I learned that, like when I was like younger, younger then I probably would be an MIT, but um, I'm not. <laughs> but also, like, you know what sucks? You know what I feel like really sucks, though? You know, one of the best parts of going into high school are all the clubs. And, know. you know, you got to make your clubs. And she was so looking forward to that. It kind of broke mm-hmm. my heart because I was like, she, like, you know, she's like, oh, I can't wait to do this and do that and try out for this and try out for that. And that's, like, basically being taken away from her. So, like, when I say that the online learning, it's not just the in school, but it's also, like, socializing in school as well. You know, you're not going to have, you know, your, your lacrosse team. You're not going to have, you know, the clubs you go to. So I think all that totally impacts the kid like I said I'd be putting a fit if that was me so you know I was kind of a bratty kid so I, I I just couldn't imagine and I just feel like you know maybe some online schooling you know whatever they are they should they should make group chats for those who want to be you know do some club do some clubs well I mean let's talk about that for a second this is very yeah. important let's talk about innovation and creativity during this time well, everybody's looking to see what we don't have anymore and how do we get through with what we're dealing with now. Why don't right. we take the time to imagine how we can reinvent the spaces that are missing? Why don't we reinvent what we can do with what we don't have but by not focusing on what we don't have? So what you're saying now, the kids aren't involved in their extra activities. Well, how right. could get their extra activities so what are their interests sit down with them but on a pe- with a real piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and let them write it don't do it for them and give show them what right. a pro and a con list is tell us what are your likes what are your dislikes yes show them what a strength list means these are your strengths right. they don't even know what their strengths are these days you know that they don't know if you ask a child Tell me what you're good at. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yes, you do. That's my answer. Oh, yes, you do. Tell me what, yeah. you, what you're good at. You're, you're, you, I would start out like, well, you're a kind person. Or you smile. Or you like people. Or you like to be by yourself. By yourself is a strength. Write that down. Yes, it and is. Get, yes, it you is. Know, these are things that they have to know about themselves now. I don't care if they're seven years of age. They should know this about themselves. Let them write at least five things that they know they're good at doing. If it means that they're good at being by themselves, write that down. Because that, that, that's a strong character trait. And let them write five things down. And then from there, figure out something that they could do that would be different. Maybe, like you're saying, they could start a club or join, get an organization going. They could start a YouTube video that is controlled by a parent's account where they could upload maybe just videos or ideas or a one-sentence positive statement about their day that would help other people. You know, No, um, I, I absolutely agree smart to do I think you know especially with their self-esteem because you know you don't know how kids are feeling with this this whole I mean they're not going to tell their parents like 
at least I don't think they would, you know, if they're, they're feeling stressed out or they're depressed, like they just, it shows, you know? And like, again, um, I was just kind of in shock by how much work they have. And it's mm-hmm. like, you give a, you're, you're in school for like so many hours and then, you know, they have like seven hours of homework a day and, you know, it is, and like, if they don't finish it, it just piles on and piles on. And that's when their stress levels go crazy. So right. if they had kind of like, a group system where after school they like meet up with their friends on zoom or whatever and they do homework together right. like i think that would be great right a study group let them find a study yeah, group I, together yeah absolutely I, I think that's something that um that really needs to be done but also um it looks like we're almost at the end of the show lauren Can you believe wow, that? that was fast boy boy we <laughs> chat boy 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 yeah. can we talk Boy, can we talk? Yeah, we, we, we talk. Country or not? No, it doesn't. No, but I want I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask, what have you been doing to keep yourself from going kind of loco during this pandemic? Like any activities you're doing, or you know, any anything at all? Well, taking on what you just said earlier, I'm like super health conscious. I've always been, you know, I don't eat meat. I don't eat chicken. Right. Um, but. I have been like unbelievably healthy as far as every. I'm watching everything, you know. Um, meditation. I am so into right. meditation more than I ever was yes. before. I see. I'm really. I I check what I'm. I say, very mindful of not saying negative words, because I know right. if I start saying things like, "Oh, how stupid was that?" I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> That's the right. voice I'm going to hear all day. So, but I'm eating very carefully, um, making sure I'm hydrating enough. I'm making sure that I, you know, here in Ireland, the weather is beautiful as far as it's not being hot. So my, my windows are always open. There's fresh air coming in. And as far as keeping, and I have absolutely no clutter around me. I keep everything uncluttered because if I see clutter, that contributes to chaos around me. And I will not do that. I keep music on right. when I can. That type of thing. Wellness, wellness, yes. wellness, wellness. And I think that's great, honestly, because like I'm like total chaos. Um, I just leave things everywhere. Uh, my bathroom is like kind of a mess right now. I have so much product; it's ridiculous. Like when we moved in together, he actually gave me the uh, master bathroom, so I can actually have all my products there. And I'm running out of space. And it's a big bathroom. It's not like a tiny, it's like a huge granite countertop. And I'm running out of space. <laughs> so I have to find I have to find a way to organize my stuff, which is hard. But, um, you know, it, it's really hard with ADHD. I'm not going to lie. It's like cleaning to me for a regular person. To me, it's like climbing Mount Everest. It's like almost impossible for me to do it. I know. I know, but well, you're um, doing the best you can. A, don't be hard on yourself. Yeah. that's the most important. Thing. No, yeah. I mean, I think that's also important, and I think like, you know, just just with everything going on in life, you know, I think it's important to just like be organized for yourself and no one else. Right. Very good. You, you know, you have to Yay. be gentle with yourself. Be gentle yeah, with absolutely. yourself. If we say nothing tonight. Let the words be that we have to be gentle with ourselves. Right. No, I agree. And you know, if you if you know if if you 
take a walk or you, you know, you just do a little jogging. There's no way I'm doing jogging in 100-degree heat, but um, when it cools down, sure. But, you know, just kind of do things for yourself. Like, you know, if you have to, um, you know, take take your mind off, um, you know, just the TV or electronics. Like, let your eyes rest. That's so important to me right now because yeah. I've noticed that um, a lot with uh, – during, during COVID, like, my screen time on my phone is, like, 18 hours a day. Like, I'm on my phone 18 hours a day, Lauren. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and ladies, if I can say one thing for the ladies out there, make sure, sure you moisturize. Make sure you moisturize. Yes. You, don't, you don't need anything expensive. If you have coconut oil, if you have olive oil, if you have baby oil, moisturize your skin. It's the largest right. organ on your body. It makes you look prettier, and it makes your body feel better moisturize no like honestly especially now just because um i've been getting it's so humid out here that i've been getting like mosquito bites so um but if we learned anything from today's conversation is that you know just be good to yourself um if you have teens at home try to find something you know that you guys can do as a family unit so the kids aren't by themselves like completely 24 7 um but our time is up. I want to thank my guest, Lauren, for co-hosting the show with me. Um, and next week, Tom will be back, and I come back on Wednesdays. And I will guess see you next week. Thank you guys so much for joining and listening. And have a great rest of the weekend.
Trumpet. You know it's the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm Dr. Larry Fidewa, your host for the hour. And tonight we're going to talk about the uh, the uh, Dems uh, convention, which was held last week, and it was the first time in American history that a major party convention was held on television with no live crowd in attendance. Being the first to do anything is always a uniquely difficult challenge which requires imagination, originality, and courage to risk failure. This is the nature of the challenge which faced planners of the recent Democrat convention, and they deserve a lot of credit for meeting that challenge with imagination and courage, and their product has been judged on two levels, the technical and the content. Technically, the production was excellent. They chose to utilize their uh, Hollywood connections for news broadcast in a uh, news broadcast format, where the host anchor introduces a series of guests. The hostesses were young, attractive actresses who performed their commentaries and introductions flawlessly. The guests were the guests were a mixture of children and ordinary people with a personal story to tell. Celebrity entertainers who performed very hip music, and as the nights advanced, an increasingly dominant collection of politicians, both obscure and prominent. All seemed well rehearsed, and the programs flowed uh, smoothly through every night's performance, in spite of the significant logistical as well as technical difficulties. In all, the technical accomplishments deserve a great deal of recognition and credits to the planners, organizers, and implementers of the week. The content and overall message for the four days was bound always to be controversial, since it was designed to present one of the two major political visions. While the major theme of the convention was proclaimed to, quote, unify America, there seemed to be a subtext of dump Trump. The truly vicious and name-calling of the president did not seem conducive to joining hands with his followers. In fact, it seemed intentionally aimed at infuriating them. The overall impression of the entire program seemed to have been an obsession with defeating Mr. Trump to the extent of omitting any details of their plans to bring about the unity they originally set as their goal. They did detail some of their perceptions of the Americans who have suffered various ways in recent times, including prejudice, police brutality, and loss of medical insurance. The net impression of this emphasis on the evil Donald Trump and of white racism with its effects on the poor African-American community, was a very dark picture of present-day America, accompanied by promises to make it all better, but no attention as to how they intend to do that. If the final criterion of success is audience ratings, then we have to point to the fact that the ratings of this year's Democrat convention were down from 2016 by 18% at 22 million households, according to early estimates. 
It's impossible to tell how many additional viewers watched on live stream computers. Also, there is no way to evaluate what this means, since there is no similar program to compare it with. The first comparable program will start on Monday evening when the GOP convention goes live. The unquestionable star of the convention was former Vice President Joseph Biden, enjoying his day in the sun after nearly 50 years in politics. Not only were many of the politicians praising him in the most glowing terms, but they were joined by his wife, children, and grandchildren. The praise was most extravagant even uh, by his former rivals, who a few months ago were telling us how unworthy he was to, uh, for the nomination. But that, that, that is politics, all for the party, including setting aside personal opinions of the winners. The most prominent critic of Biden in that group was Kamala Harris, who called him a racist, as she does all her enemies. This time, as his uh, vice presidential nominee, she professed him to be a man of so many talents and accomplishments that he sounded like a candidate for sainthood. Everyone was waiting anxiously for Mr. Biden's acceptance speech on Thursday night, some with trepidation trepidation that uh, would make him would make one of his well-known bloopers. He has been accused by many critics of of being in the early stages of dementia, but there has been no clinical evidence to support this judgment, even though some unscrupulous physicians have contributed public diagnoses of dementia or reduced mental capacity without ever having examined him or even encountered him socially. Such allegations should be discounted immediately and totally. Another factor may figure in his lifelong tendency to make mistakes in diction, and that is his battle against stuttering. A person who stutters may learn better diction, but the attention to that effort requires a constant distraction from what he is actually saying. This distraction can cause losing one's train of thought, hesitation, while trying to remember a name or a word or a fact, and mispronouncing some words, to name a few of the hazards unique to stutterers. Stuttering cannot, however, be equated with low intelligence or dementia, no matter what popular opinion dictates. So, what about the Biden's speech of his life last Thursday evening. My first impression was that it was very well done and very effective. The best speech of his long career. It it was very much an answer to who am I? Very emotional and personal. It was a testimony to his intent to do his best to achieve the goals of the campaign in the most compassionate and comprehensive way possible. What it was not was an illustration of his solutions to the challenges so urgent in American life at this troubled time in our history. There was no mention of China, of Iran, NATO, Al-Qaeda, 
North Korea, or any other foreign policy issue, nor was he specific about internal American affairs, the riots in our streets, the COVID-19 pandemic, the trade deficit, American manufacturing, the current supply chain, and many, among many other issues. Blaming Donald Trump is not an answer. It raises a question. What would you do? At the end of Mr. Biden's speech, along with 22.8 million other viewers, we couldn't answer that question. We will close this reaction to the 2020 Democrat convention with a comment on Mr. Biden as a public as a public servant. There are sharply contrasting views of his history. On the one hand, the praise he received for four long convention sessions left the overall impression that he possesses every virtue a public servant can exemplify. He is a family man, a survivor of a terrible personal tragedy, a dedicated public servant, skilled in crossing the aisle in the Senate, a listener, compassionate, with a deep knowledge of all the functions of government, including the Oval Office, selfless and sinless. On the other hand, his critics cite his record of complaints of illicit touching and fondling of women, bolstered by TV clips of his unduly familiar hands on various women, and then the accusations of his unethically paving the way for his son, Hunter Biden's profiting from transactions with the Ukraine and China. These accusations are yet to be proven in court. It is, however, a matter of public record that he has accumulated a net worth estimated by CBS to be $9 million. Peter Schweitzer's book, Profiles in Corruption, details Biden's actions as vice president to benefit five members of his family, although no specific steps have been taken to prove that Schweitzer's charges, even if true, were illegal or criminal. Nevertheless, even such detailed accusations begin to tarnish the saintly profile ascribed to Mr. Biden by the convention. If proven, it would mark the end of his career as a politician. We will just have to see what happens. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Johnson Pop presents talk radio like you've never heard it before on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We go live every Tuesday and Wednesday on this network, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to the bachelornews.airtime.pro. We are on the cutting edge and we are ahead of the curve on what is happening while the media tries to catch up. We talk issues from right to left. Once a month, we have Ladies Night, where we talk relationship in the 21st century and nothing is off limits or taboo. Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio network welcome back to the dr larry show uh and uh, it's also the home of the donaldson files with tom donaldson and coco konsky they discuss uh, politics from the left and the right while giving you entertainment news and guests and listen every tuesday and wednesday from 6 p.m to 7 p.m eastern time at blogtalkradio.com slash labachelor and every day at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern Time 
at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. If you're interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com and listen and stay informed. And I might also mention at this point that uh, we uh, are in the, on the Dr. Larry show are, uh, follow um, the Donaldson Files at every Wednesday at 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash L.A. Bachelor and the bo- the broadcast the podcast every day at 2 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Time at uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. So we're also available on uh, the in uh, 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 my weekly column is uh, available by subscription at uh, drlarryonline.com. Uh, which has, by the way, gone through a bit of a reconstruction because of a technical failure we had. But uh, we're just about all back to back to normal now. And uh, we invite you to uh, take a listen to our podcast, to our program, and uh, read our columns. So I'd like to uh, introduce our first guest tonight, Dr. Aaron Faus. Who is a uh, is a well-known expert in the field of uh, uh, hospitals and uh, healthcare, but he was also a very perceptive uh, uh, commentator on uh, on other on other areas in the political reign. And so, uh, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Dr. Aaron Faust to uh, the Dr. Larry Show on. And uh, we'd like to uh, ask you uh, to uh, Aaron if you would uh, tell us a little bit about what your uh, what how you can be uh, what you do and how you can be contacted. Dr. Larry, thank you. It's uh, good to be with you uh, on the program again. Um, I'm Aaron Faust. Uh, work in healthcare for 27 years. I'm currently working for an insurance company, and. Um, have uh, written several books. The most recent is called Healthcare is Killing Us, uh, The Power of Disruptive Innovation to Create a Healthcare System that Cares More and Costs Less. And so my passion is around uh, healing the healthcare system so that it truly is uh, healthy, caring, and a system. So what did you think of the, uh, well, what did you th- first of all, what did you think of the uh, commentary I just uh, put out there? <laughs> Nope, I think you were spot on. Um, I, I read it read it through your email update, but also enjoyed hearing it again. I think you gave a very uh, concise and appropriate analysis of the of the Democratic convention last week, and I think you were balanced. You covered all the pros and cons, and you know, you're right. They they were the first ones out of the gate with this new format, kind of virtual convention, and I, I think they did a really good job with it. Um, and it's also a little bit like a job interview where they're they're going to be talking about and highlighting all the positive things, and they did a pretty good job at that. And even uh, former former senator and former Vice President Biden, uh, I thought, delivered uh, a forceful and energetic uh, speech and did a good job. Well, the thing, the, uh, there's a couple of things that 
really rankled me, and that is we're hearing a lot of talk about uh, his dementia or his reduced uh, mental capacity. Um, and frankly, that has not been validated by any type of medical uh, examination in person. In person, And these guys that go around um, diagnosing people from a distance and without even knowing them, without ever having even talked to them, I think that is scandalous. I'm, I'm sure that you're uh, in your field of uh, medicine, medical uh, practice, you're, uh, you have an opinion on that. Oh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dr. Larry. It is uh, un- uncalled for and unconscionable, and any medical practitioner who would do something like that would, would, would lose his or her license. It's just not uh, appropriate, and it's not acceptable, and it's, 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 there's no way they can diagnose somebody without having an examination and without spending some time, especially with something like this, where it's a cognitive or mental issue. Well, they, there are, in fact, um, other um, – there are people that are going around uh, uh, that haven't lost their licenses, that are MDs and psychiatrists that are that are actually going on the record, apparently, to, uh, to uh, accuse him of this kind of diagnosis. And um, I assume that the reason they're getting away with it is because uh, there's a certain amount of uh, uh, leniency that uh, has crept into our public discourse that shouldn't be there, I think. But Agreed. The, it, it ends up being a distraction, an unnecessary and unneeded and unhelpful distraction. Well, we have to admit that uh, that uh, Biden's major op- opposition is uh, talking that way, and uh, so is uh, his lawyer. Um, I think that that's just just not supposed to be done that way. Um, the other thing is, the other thing is that. Uh, how do you, I mean, there's no question about the bloopers that he's made, uh, but I think that this whole thing about stuttering is a lot, has a lot to do with it. He said that he has, he has actually admitted that he had, he, he, he overcame it when he was uh, uh, in college, I guess about college age, and maybe a little earlier. And he said he hasn't really worried about it for many, many years. But all of a sudden, uh, he's he has it's come back, and the the problem has come back. And um, and uh, if if that's so, I mean, it's really taking taking unfair advantage of somebody's uh, uh, affliction. And and I have there are some. St- real serious stutterers in my family um, and some of them have overcome it and some of them never did and uh, I, I have a lot of sympathy with that and I think everybody should respect it Agreed and you know, I, I actually haven't even noticed uh, him stuttering and you think back to his long career you're you're going to be able to find some bloopers with someone that's been in politics almost 50 years so I, I don't uh I don't attribute much to that. I, it's just part of the part of the part of the process and part of the game. Well, they're using that. They're using that as a um, as a uh, 
excuse or a, an explanation for why he may be uh, unlikely to uh, get a um, uh, that he may be unlikely to uh, actually take connect, take command of his own administration uh, because of a reduced mental capacity and and so on and uh, you know that I, I think that's that that's another thing that's just wholly um, un, uncalled for. I mean, it, uh, it, it, it's one thing to accuse somebody of something that you can prove and that is real, especially if it's uh, had some kind of uh, uh, validation by uh, the court or or, or the, at least, uh, at least uh, witnesses that have come forward. But to do it this way, I, I just think is, I think that's completely un, uncalled for, and frankly, a lot of Republicans are doing that, and and I I just uh, I I really do not believe that they ought to be uh, going down that road. I think they should take what he says as uh, as authentic, and yes, he'll be he'll be uh, subject to a lot of pressure from the other from the uh, other members of his party. Uh, but uh, we don't. I don't know whether he can stand up against it or not. I don't think anybody knows. Nobody knows that about any politician that's ever been elected, especially any politician that's ever become president. And you can add his age to the list of things that I've heard people griping about and speculating that he's not going to be able to complete his first term or not going to be able to handle the job. And I say phooey. And I think you're right. The Republicans do themselves a disservice by focusing on Biden and, and any of these factors that are unknowable and unprovable when they have a really fantastic story to tell about what they've actually done over the past three and a half years yeah, and the, the yeah. tremendous results they've achieved. I, that's what I would be focusing on. And that's very uh, that's that, that's very uh, useful, too. I mean, a, a lot of people a lot of people are a lot more interested in results and and uh action than they are in promises and absolutely and frankly that's one of the uh, strong points of that of the republican story but anyway the um uh, the the uh, other factor though is that w- one of the reasons that this puts forward for this lack of uh, specificity and the lack of discussion even of, of policy uh, has been that he, if they if they got into policy then the the, the uh, dissent and the uh, disagreements among the uh, other uh, the other um, uh, members of his party uh, being the the far liberals, particularly the far left, uh, would would be uh, would would rise to, to the you know to the top, and they might very well cost him the election. Uh, I think there's something to that. I absolutely agree with you, and, and um, you know when they when he formed that coalition with Bernie Sanders to try to you know try to try to merge their two positions and try to merge their platforms into something that everyone could agree upon. The, the radical left really, I, I believe, co-opted what Biden, what Biden has stood for in the past. And I think they've lurched 
even further left than the Democratic Party's ever been. And, and truly, they've done a good job kind of talking about all the good things that potentially would happen from that in terms of free health care and free this and, you know, healthier climate and all that. But they're, they're not talking about the reality of what, what's going to happen to the United States and, and our economy and our country as a result of those policies. Uh, and I think that's where the, the Trump campaign and the Republicans in general have, a, have an opportunity to really tell the story, tell, the, tell of the remarkable successes, um, the almost unparalleled successes that they've had in the last three years with respect to kickstarting our economy, um, getting people back to work, and getting people who otherwise weren't, weren't even in the workforce uh, in terms of participating in that, and growing the, the wages for everybody. They've done a tremendous amount, and that's what they should focus on, and that's what they should contrast with. Um, here's if, if you elect Joe Biden, we're not going to say anything about him as a person or about his health, but here's, what, here's the policies that are going to be put in place, and here's what's going to happen, and here's how that's going to – it's going to revert back to the, the economy we had when he was vice president. Well, well let's um, hold that thought, and uh, we'll, uh, you're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Welcome back to the Dr. Larry Show, which is also the home of the Locker Talk with Barry Barnes. Um, you can uh, hear, and Barry talks about the NFL stars of tomorrow uh, every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash Bachelor and the podcast every day from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time uh, with back-to-back episodes. Uh, at the uh, BatcherNewsAirtime.pro, and if you're interested in having your own show or advertising, uh, you can ail- email us at labatcher40 at, g- at at gmail.com. So if you listen, you stay informed. So we're talking to uh, Dr. Aaron uh, Faust, uh, and. Uh, we're uh, talking about the uh, Dem- Democrats' convention uh, last week. Uh, the um, uh, for what, what did you think of the format that they uh, that they came up with? Uh, I thought it was rather imaginative, frankly, to use a kind of a news format uh, for a very uh, vari- a variety, really, of uh, of different interviews. But uh, what, how did you uh, like that? No, I liked it a lot. In fact, um, I, again, they, they, they did an excellent job turning it from a, from a live convention, which is very different than what, what they're, what they're put, putting on now. And, and Dr. Larry, I'm, I haven't seen any numbers about the viewership and the, 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 the ratings for the television, but I'm, I think I'm like a growing number of people where I watch things on the Internet and I watch snippets and, and 
you know, hey, I want to see so-and-so speak. I watch that person speak. I don't sit there for three hours watching everybody to get to the one person that I want to see. So I think in that respect, the, their format worked out really, really well because I could access whatever speakers I wanted when I wanted and, 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 and listen to what they had to say. Well, um, I, I must admit that the, uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, stuff I listen to uh, as far as music is concerned uh, is not the kind of thing that uh, <laughs> that they uh, that they were uh, uh, the, the music that they featured on the on the uh, on that <laughs> interview, but. I gotta, I gotta just uh, chalk that off to the uh, fact that um, uh, I'm maybe a, a generation or so away from a lot of that, uh, a lot of that stuff. Uh, apparently, it went over pretty well with some, with uh, with the younger crowd, but it seemed kind of weird to me. <laughs> we <have> to <laughs> well, they're trying to appeal to all audiences, and yes, they can't. They there, I'm, I'm, I'm sure somebody in that campaign, you know, that had an ear for that, was selecting the, the music that would play. And I, again, I, I thought it was appropriate and accompanying. You know, I, I recognized some of it. I didn't recognize some of it. I liked some of it. I didn't like some of it. But I figure that's just par for the course. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, um, so do you have any other uh, uh, comments that? Uh, uh about what you did what you did pay attention to only that i agree with what you your analysis earlier of it was heavy on accolades and light on substance and the substance being the devil's in the details of all the taxes that are going to get raised the bureaucracy that's going to be increased the regulatory burden that's going to be increased and i wish i wish they would have dived into a little bit of that and explained you know their Green New Deal and the health care proposals that they have, which I've read about separately, but you know they, they didn't do any of that uh, any justice. And I also thought they owed the country an apology just for all the um, whole Russia gate and the whole Russia collusion narrative that they were spinning and, and pushing that proved to be total a total hoax and total joke. Um, I, I, I thought they you know they didn't mention that at all yet you know. Here we were just a couple months ago trying to impeach the, the sitting president. And I thought they, with with the, the collapse of that entire thing and the, the fiasco that that, that has become, I, I think they, they should have apologized for that. Well, they, they're still holding on to it. I mean, they think they were right and that uh, there's all kinds of uh, nefarious uh, conspiracies going on that uh, – Ended up in the exoneration of the uh, the failure of the uh, impeachment, but I mean, if you listen to Nancy Pelosi, she's getting more and more uh, uh, antagonistic to uh, the to the opposition. I mean, she was calling the president and all of the members of the uh, Republican uh, members of the Senate and House um, enemies of the state <laughs> yesterday. I mean, that's uh, they they they're they're still hanging on to the whether you know to that whole thing. So I don't know. Um, I don't. I it didn't surprise me that they were not making an apology. It nor did it surprise me that they were uh, 
acting as though it was all true. In fact, I yeah, kept, no. you know, the idea of the Russian conspiracy uh, came up more than once. Yeah, it's been been a been a steady theme and steady drumbeat from the time the, the president was elected before he even took office, and it's just it has been so just thoroughly discredited and, de, and debunked. And I suspect um, Mr. Durham, the prosecutor who's who's doing the investigations, had his first um, plea deal. I think we're going to see more of that, and it's it's going to be the, the the credibility of that is so far strained and so far disabused that I, I just. I I appreciate their hyperbole and they're sticking to their sticking to their guns, but it's just clear that it, that there's nothing there, and that in fact it was members of the Obama administration that that sick part of the government, sick the Department of Justice, sicked our intelligence agencies onto a, a competing campaign. Yeah, well, I think that you know that's still very much alive. Um, it. Uh in fact, is being, uh, you know, still resolved. The Durham, the Durham investigation, and and all of the uh, people that sort of believe that that is what is uh, really uh, going to make a major impact on the on the election. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems yeah, like. I don't know either, Dr. Larry. It seems like it's taking its sweet time, and that, to, again, to me, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not in the Justice Department. It seemed like some of this stuff seemed a little more clear-cut to me than that That these, these types of indictments should have been coming out a long time ago. Well, uh, getting back to the, uh, to the actual uh, uh, report of the um, – uh, convention. Um, what did you think about? We're, we're having questions about Mich- Michelle Obama and uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, did you uh, see those um, those speeches? I did, and I, I thought both of them uh, delivered, you know, what they needed to deliver and say what they need to say. And it, I think the format helped them. It. Um, I think Miss Harris probably could have used a live audience to play off and, and kind of hear some cheering and stuff. But I think Michelle Obama's presentation, she always delivers good. I mean, she and the former president are, are very good speakers. And when they're in a, in a, in a studio-type environment speaking to the cameras, they both excel at that and do very well. Well, I, I, um, I, I must admit that I was uh, not very – not very pleased with uh, with with Michelle with either one of them really. I I, I just kept. I, I think Michelle is a very. You're, I, I agree with you that she's a very good speaker, but um, I just uh, not sure that that some of the things she was saying. I don't see how she could believe it. <laughs> it's uh, it seemed to me very uh, very strange. Uh, that's true. I mean, I, I didn't. I don't necessarily agree with the content of what she said, but I thought they they delivered. You know, she, former president, and Miss Harris delivered their stuff very well, and it, it came. They came across good. I'm. I, I guess I'm. I probably have the same feelings as you that I, I didn't believe the majority of what they were saying, and in fact, was kind of incredulous at some of it. Well, and and I thought Michelle. Uh, I mean, uh, Kamala Harris was particularly uh, hypocritical. 
I mean, she's the one that really attacked uh, Biden with, I mean, really, uh, she called him a racist, and a, uh, she pointed to uh, the uh, the uh, legislation that he championed, of uh, which ended up putting a, a whole generation of black youth in jail, young men in jail, in, in uh, prison. And, um, you know, she, she was really very, very, uh, very hard on, uh, on, on Biden during the debate, that one debate particularly. And, and it really, if you go back and look, look at what she, uh, did with, uh, the, uh, Kavanaugh hearing, I mean, she was, she was, uh, terror and, uh, really uh, vicious, vicious uh, type of uh, accusations against uh, somebody that really wasn't here. She's a lawyer and a, and a, and a, a ter- former attorney general. You'd think that she'd have some uh, understanding of pr- due process, but um, she, I, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely not a fan of uh, Kamala Harris. And I, uh, nor, I, think, nor am I don't I, think they're going to be. I don't think there's going to be very many white people that are. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I hate I, to any, say that, but I don't think there's going to be many um, non-partisan Democrats that that are, are like her. And I I think she was auditioning for potential president slot from the from the moment she became a, a senator. And I think the Kavanaugh hearings just showed that out. But she she wanted sound bites that she could play, that she could throw out there to the Democratic primaries to say, hey, but, you know, I'm, I should be your next presidential candidate. And those candidates say stuff about each other. And the, the term racism, I don't even think it has any meaning anymore. It's, it's thrown around so much with, for the most trivial things that have nothing to do with racism. Um, so. And and you see that both in the Republican side and the Democratic side. Every election I can remember, the the primaries are like that, where people are saying stuff against each other. And then, lo and behold, one of them becomes the vice president for whoever becomes the president, and they they soothe over. But she she was very hyper-partisan and hyper-extreme with her – you know, just the way she acted. And I do think it's rich that she criticizes – Biden for the votes that he cast as a senator that improved law and order in the United States, while she herself was a very much a law and order attorney general in California who prosecuted quite a few black people and, and you know, upheld, strictly upheld the law out there. Well, yes and no. I mean, she also played favorites very strongly. Oh, sure. Um, well, it... Um, it appears that uh, I don't know. I, I think I think most of what she did was really trying to uh, uh, nail down the, the black vote, and uh, and it's questionable really whether whether there isn't really isn't any uh, whether whether that's well. I guess I guess the reason that that people are concerned about it is because they think that that Trump may actually do better this time than he did last time, and uh, with the with the black uh, community, and uh, that I think is a, uh, a, a sort of an interesting phenomenon because 
they they keep saying that that they're going to get uh, you know 90% of the black vote and uh, and uh we'll uh, pick this up in a minute uh, you're listening to the Dr. Larry show on the Bachelor News Radio Network Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we're talking to uh, uh, Dr. Aaron Faust, who's uh, uh, also uh, very uh, interested and very is, is a national expert on the whole hospitalization and uh, and uh, healthcare uh, subject. Uh, I guess uh, I guess getting into that would uh, it, it's really um, a point right now that says that uh, we should uh, go ahead and uh, uh, well, what do you think of what do you think of the uh, of the uh, idea of um, um, the uh, healthcare? Uh, situation in terms of uh, of the two parties. Uh, I think we I, I think that the uh, Democrats are going more for the kind of revival of uh, Obamacare, uh, and the Republicans. I don't know exactly what they do, what they are going to do. Well, I, you know, again, yeah, they the, the Democrats are definitely leaning to the left and whether it's a revival or a rehash of Obamacare or whether it's a push toward national health care, that, that truly scares me in terms of somebody that's, that's on the inside of health care. Uh, I, and as we've, Terry and I argued in our book, Health Care is Killing Us, the solution to improve health care is unleashing free market forces. Um, that Trump, the Trump administration is, has started to do. They're flirting with it. They're um, forcing price transparency. They've done some good things and they've done some bad things they're um uh, some of the stuff they've done with drugs i'm not sure i agree with again i i'm a we're free marketeers and believe that that the market should drive cost that but that the costs need to be transparent need to be known in advance um but what the what the democrats are proposing and if if it gets into effect it will it will cause it will it will result in higher prices worse service worse care worse clinical outcomes it it, it will just be a disaster for for everybody well, I guess we just look at uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, examples of the Canadian system, and uh, you know all the people that really have serious problems are trying are coming over to the United States to get treated. Yep. It's, uh, and I I I had some personal experience with the uh, the British system. It uh, my daughter had a accident over there. She was at Oxford University and she had an, uh, 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 an accident kind of self, self-inflicted self in a way. I mean, she jumped out of an airplane <laughs> with a parachute <laughs> and she landed wrong and messed up her uh, ankle 
and uh, was then taken to the uh, National Health Service, and I mean they were using they were using techniques that were actually 19th century. Um, you know they would they would put a uh, put her uh, foot in a hot water uh, tub and then put electricity in it. And I mean, my God, you know, nobody's done that here, and I don't know when. So that that actually is, sounds barbaric. It does. I mean, it certainly doesn't sound like 20th century or 20. Uh, it was 20th century then. Um, and of course, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of complaint about about their system, and it's it's any bureaucracy gets involved too deeply in in some kind of personal service, you know it's going to get very uh, shoddy. And that's that's exactly what happened. So, anyway, um, we, uh, uh, we have, uh, we also ought to talk to you a little bit about what you think of the, uh, of the, of the uh, where are we on, on this COVID thing? You know, I think it's uh, holding steady right now. The, the the kids here in St. Louis have started back at school. Most are are learning remotely, so it's home. It's learning from home. Uh, I think a few few districts, the, the private and the parochial schools, have have gone back to in person classes. Um, uh, and I think the same is true nationwide. Um, relatives who are teachers in the Cincinnati area, they are back in school. Yeah, taking precautions and washing hands and wearing masks and all that. Um, and in Kentucky, where I grew up, they're back in school as well. So I I think we're, we will continue to learn more about this. And I think we the, the number, if you just look at the number of cases, it's going to go back up in the fall and winter, just like uh, the flu goes back up, you know, increases in the fall and winter. I think we need to not react to the number of cases, but more react to, the the course that those current cases are taking and again with school children and young people most of them if not all of them get over it i mean you 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 hear the rare exceptions where somebody was seriously injured or had some other major side effect or even died but for the most part uh it's something that we that young people will get over so i i would like to see us getting back to in-person school and getting back getting the economy started again and getting back to to business again Well, what about the? Uh, it seems like like the uh, number of cases, even let alone the fatality rates, are are really de- decreasing. They are. They are. Do you believe the statistics? No, I think it's. I think the number of cases are is being vastly overreported. Um, and I, I again, I can't even find data on the flu this past flu season. How many people had the flu? I, I suspect a lot of people were, were you know, whether it was posit- positive tests or even people with negative tests or people who didn't get tested probably got diagnosed with COVID-19. But I think they also had other things, too. And, and so I, I don't know what the number is. I'd say 30 or 40 percent of the deaths to COVID were due to other things that those people were gonna, would, would have otherwise died anyway. But it's being attributed to COVID-19. So, again, it might be. 24, 36 months before we know the reality and the truth, before researchers can you know, objectively go back in and look look at it. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to show to be a lot less severe, a lot less fatal, 
and a lot less pronounced than than what we we believe it is right now. Well, most of those statistics are coming from hospitals, and that's your beat, isn't it? Well, uh, again, someone has a heart attack, but they also have COVID-19, and the the person dies, they're going to say it's a COVID-19 death as opposed to the death from the heart attack. So I I think there's a lot of people who died have code morbidities, and and it's just being attributed to COVID-19 when some of the other things might have been more, more, more likely the cause of death. What have you observed this or, or what, what, uh, what's your basis for that? Reading and talking to people who, who, who are involved in, in those sorts of things in, in the hospitals themselves. So you're getting, you're really picking up anecdotal data. Anecdotal secondhand data. Yes. Yeah, well, that's more than I've got, and more than most people have, including uh, including Tony Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, what about masks? Do you think uh, some people say that we need them, and some people say we don't? And some a lot of a lot of people say we need them, but they they certainly vary as to when we need them. Yep. We, when, when I'm outside, my wife and I go walking every day. We do not wear masks, but we stay well away from anybody else. But here in the office, I don't have a mask on now because there's no one around. But if, if someone came in, I've got a mask handy, I put it on. And I think it's, it's the right thing to do. I, I'm, part of me feels like it's helping and, and, and is necessary. Part of me feels like it's a waste of time and not really doing anything. But I, 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 I prefer to err on the side of safety and caution. And if, if I'm around people, the mask comes on. So what, what, what rules should we all be following? Wash your hands a lot. Use hand sanitizers. And if you're, if you're going to be in close proximity to people, I'd, I'd put a mask on. And how much protection is that? Better than nothing. Um, I think that what, what what we know about the virus now is that it 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 doesn't. If it gets on your skin, it's not going to infect you. It has to get in through your mouth or your nose, uh, or perhaps a cut. And as long as you're protecting yourself, and again, the, doing the things that we should have been doing all along anyway, which is frequent hand washing, or or using hand sanitizer. Um, you're going to be safe. And I think the mask is just, it's, it's like putting a pair of suspenders on when you have a belt on too. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a little excessive, but why not? Well, why not? One thing is every time I put a mask on, I, I fog up my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wear glasses too. And I have the same issue. So the other thing is it's hard to understand some people when they uh, have a mask on, especially if they have one of these plastic helmets on. That, yeah, uh, that it, it's a little weird. I mean, it, it has taken some time for me to get adjusted to it, but I, I do think better safe than sorry, wear the mask. If I'm talking to somebody and they're far enough away from me, I'll, we'll pull the mask off or at least have, you know, have them dangling to one side so we can – what I don't like about the mask is I, I like to see people's faces. I want to see them smiling. I want to see their reaction when we're talking and just seeing the, their eyes, and you can't even see their nose <laughs> or their mouth. That, that's what drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, really. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing what we find out when we are deprived of certain things. <laughs> we, we use those visual cues that they, they say that body language uh, – 
is just as important, if not more as important than what you're saying. And I, and I, I firmly believe that. And, uh, you know, on the Zoom calls that we're on, since we're all, many of us are working remotely, you know, you can see people's faces and you can see them, you know, their gestures that they're making. And, and it helps you kind of understand and helps you read what, what, what they're saying and interpret what they're saying versus when you're standing right next to somebody and you're, you know, three or six feet apart, but you've got mask on, it's, it's, you can hear them and you can understand what they're saying, but it's hard to really read them. And that's, that's the thing that gets me the most. Of course, email is even worse. <laughs> well, email, there's, you've got two kinds of people with email, those that can write well and those that can't, and those that can't out, vastly outnumber those who can. So it's uh, with, with email, it's, you know, please use sentences, please use proper grammar and punctuation and, you're not text messaging me with, you know, shortened, shortened, shortened sentences like you is the letter U instead of Y-O-U. Well, instead of, you know, and, and, and unless you know somebody pretty well, uh, your emails are uh, really subject to vast misinterpretation. Cause you Absolutely. Can't, you don't get any context. And I, well, I, I haven't experienced it lately, but... I've in the past, there's been times where I get, you know, a little bit upset about something. I type out an email, but I always say, let's sit on that for an hour or two or overnight. And then let me review that before I send it to make sure it's I'm clear and make sure my, my feelings aren't coming through too strongly or make sure those feelings aren't, are, are even the right feelings. But I think a lot of people, they just bang out whatever comes to their head without really thinking about it and then press send. And it's, it's too late at that point. Yeah, more ways than one because the uh, the the texting, uh, whether it's social social uh, uh, media or or just uh, between friends, uh, once it's uh, in writing, it can it can last forever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got the, all these cases now of people that are uh, young children, youngsters that are uh, committing suicide because of because of uh, social media. You know, somebody showed or somebody called them names and then everybody else picked it up and they just got so, I don't know, it's just terrible. Yeah, the feelings of being bullied or harassed on online like that are just, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine, but as a, as a teenager, I, I, I feel bad for those folks. Well, you know, we've got, we've got this whole issue of uh, uh of Joe Biden and his, uh, well, there, there are really two issues. One is the corruption issue, and the other is the woman issue. And it, uh, I just wonder where that's going to go. There's there's certainly a lot of interest in in people that are running that down. They're not all not in the usual not the usual press that would be doing it, which uh, is kind of a not surprising, I guess. But there's still a lot of the opposition, and uh, and uh, there's the uh, people that are, you know, the cause people that are uh, the cause of uh, women's uh, uh, rights and violation and so on. Um, uh, that is that that is potentially uh, extremely damaging, and uh, I just yeah, I haven't heard much about. You know about uh, the progress or lack of progress that people are making. Uh, the people that are supposed to be, or, or suppo- that we think are following this stuff, 
But um, that certainly is one of the issues that uh, we've got to be really, really, uh, if, if I were the Biden people, I'd be really concerned about it. In fact, uh, Kamala Harris said she she believed the uh, accusations of, the, of that lady that said that uh, uh, Biden tried to rape her. And then, of course, she forgot about all that when he asked her to be his, not his vice president. But uh, it's really, uh, I, I, I don't know what to, what to I, I just, I think he, he's got a lot of Irish charm. And, and I think that uh, on the surface, at least, he seems to be a very uh, honorable person. But boy, I, it, it sounds like the kind of things that people are uh, accusing Trump of. Yep, I, I, I think those all those things are out there and they're known. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. The mainstream media was never going to pursue it and is not ever going to pursue it. So and unless there's some new bombshell, some new revelation that we don't we haven't already heard and we don't already know about, I don't think that's going to come back and hurt him. Well, it uh, it certainly is a a blight on his on his uh, reputation anyway it's but it there aren't uh, there aren't anything that uh you know that people are are going to be um really uh, concerned about so um what about the um do you have any we're getting close to the end of the show here uh, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to uh share with your our audience yeah you know um I guess the the underlying tenor of the of the Democratic convention, you know, in addition to pro Biden and pro Harris, was was very much uh, the country's in bad shape and everything's horrible and a lot of grievances and racism and violence and unfairness. And you know, I don't see that. Um, you know, I I I live in a good community. The the people that I interact with and I interact with all strata. Everyone's just trying to get along and trying to make the best of what the situation and make the best of COVID-19. But everyone I, I interact with, uh, race, gender, age, is very friendly. Uh, I, I don't see the problems that the Democrats see. I, I think, you know, yeah, we can't say we don't have problems in this country, but I, I think we, we live in a great country, and it, it, there's a lot going on here, uh, a lot that we have to be thankful for. And I just think uh, – the, the Republicans, and, and they have been so far in their um, convention, and, and, and I think moving forward it should be less about Biden and more about here's what we've done, here's what we will continue to do to keep this country great, to keep this country uh, functioning smoothly. And, I, and I, you mentioned uh, the African Americans earlier. I, I, you know, and the reality is Trump has done more for them in the past three years than, than – and that has been done for them in the past 50 years in terms of just opportunity and economic gain. And, and I think the, the Trump campaign need, and Republicans need to play that up. Well, they, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I certainly agree with that. I, I do think that there are things that some of the, some of the issues that they raise um, really have not, have not been solved, and, and I'm thinking of things like uh, like the 
issues of reforming the police departments, for example. I mean, if you don't want to defund them, certainly there are some issues there that have to be taken taken uh, taken in seriously and and and, and confronted. But anyway, we're uh, we're at the end of our of our time, and uh, I want to thank uh, Dr. Faust for uh, coming on, and uh, this is Dr. Larry Fidoa uh, saying good night and God bless America. <laughs>